Hello, I'm Marie Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is COVID-19. Are you experiencing survivor's guilt? My guest is specialist psychiatrist Dr. Karen Armstrong from Cape Town. Welcome Karen and thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Mariette and thank you also so much for this great initiative and all of the work that you're doing. Thank you. And to our listeners, after our conversation, we'll get to Karen's three top tips and then it will be fun question time. Karen, many of us here in South Africa experiencing the third wave of COVID-19 infections know someone who has passed away. And while grief is always a very difficult thing to handle, it now seems as if some people also feel guilty about their loved ones or others who have died. Could you tell us what survivor's guilt is? Sure, Mariette. So survivor's guilt is not really a formally diagnosable condition. So it seems that definitions and interpretations of it can vary. But the term itself refers to a particular kind of guilt that develops in people who have suffered a life-threatening or traumatic situation. Some survivors feel guilty that they've survived when others have died. Others believe that they could have done more to save the lives of others. And then sometimes there are those who feel guilty that another person died saving them or maybe instead of them. So survivor's guilt was a term originally used to describe feelings that survivors of the Holocaust experienced. But it's also been seen and quite extensively studied in people living through wars, terror attacks, serious accidents, as well as serious illnesses, such as cancer, the HIV AIDS pandemic, and certainly recently now, um, the COVID pandemic that we are facing. Um, it is even possible for someone who didn't go through the, the experience themselves, but was closely exposed to it or had a sense of vulnerability to it, to struggle with this emotional burden. And about 10 to 20% of people who live through a traumatic event, like a serious accident or illness or pandemic such as COVID, may have persisting mental health struggles, which can include survivor's guilt. Um, also, just to mention that survivor's guilt may be seen um, as one of the cognitive and mood-related symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, which includes distorted feelings of guilt, negative thoughts around oneself, and indeed survivor's guilt is often accompanied by other symptoms seen in PTSD, that, but at the same time one doesn't, doesn't have to experience PTSD to experience survivor's guilt. Yes, that's quite a mouthful. Uh, For sure. Yes. Do, do you experience this type of thing related to the pandemic or do you think it's more of a general um, perception that, that people are at this moment experiencing survivor's guilt? So it certainly is something that I've come across in my practice and I do think it's something that is extremely relevant at this moment. And as I was saying, just even with this, you know, the definition of survivor's guilt, it typically does occur in these kind of 
um, incredibly traumatic and often, you know, life-changing pandemics and events that people go through and experience. And COVID-19 is certainly, you know, one such event that is having such a profound impact on so many people's lives. And certainly, you know, it's something that I'm seeing come up quite frequently. There are multiple, you know, mental health ramifications related to, to COVID-19. And, you know, obviously, survivor's guilt is just, you know, one of many of those responses. Yes. But certainly is something that I'm seeing, you know, in my in my practice, you know, as well as just with friends and people around one. Yeah. Uh, are there any factors that may increase someone's risk of experiencing this? Obviously, anyone can experience survivor's guilt, but obviously a lot of people do go through traumatic experiences, you know, without leading to the struggle. So one does tend to then think, what is it that contributes to, to people struggling with survivor's guilt? So a lot of the time, a person's sense of control over their lives can play a role, with some people feeling more likely to internalize blame within themselves when trying to make sense of events that happen, even when those events are actually outside of their control. Other factors that increases, you know, just in general, people's risk of experience survivor's guilt include a past history of trauma, especially within their childhoods, a history of depression and anxiety conditions, a low self-esteem, lack of social support, personality factors, and unhelpful coping skills. With particular reference to COVID, people at risk of COVID survivor's guilt typically include those who have developed the illness themselves and have recovered, um, especially we seeing those with long-haul illness, as well as those who've had someone close to them also develop COVID but not survive. Other people that seem to be at risk are anybody knowing someone close to them who have lost their lives with COVID, knowing someone who's experienced the more severe long-term consequences from COVID-related complications, um, believing that you yourself maybe put yourself in a risky situation that led to contracting the virus seems to be a risk factor, and even worse, um, putting yourself or others in risky situations that then led to somebody else contracting the virus and passing away seems to be, you know, a particularly a difficult thing to experience. Others that seem to develop a COVID-19 survivor's guilt also seem to be those even just working closely with COVID sufferers um, who themselves can, can remain well, but seeing that trauma and the loss of life and the consequences around them seems to have a profound effect, so healthcare workers. Also those who may feel at an advantage to others, for example, people who've had the vaccine early while others have not, people who find themselves in a position of privilege compared to others who are suffering, often do tend to develop the sense of survivor's guilt as well. So those are kind of the typical things that, that we are seeing, particularly related to COVID and survivor's guilt at this time. Yeah, I must say the way you explain it makes me realize that it's far, it can be far more widespread than I thought. For sure. It's a whole range of people who experience it, you know, not just um, a person who has COVID and survives mm. or loses someone close to them. You know, it's kind of a whole systemic thing. And many people are vulnerable 
you know, one doesn't yourself have to have experienced or contracted COVID and survive. Mm -hmm. It's also that exposure and sometimes a sense of vulnerability that, that one can have. And people who are incredibly sensitive to, you know, the suffering of others around them and easily kind of internalize blame. Karen, what are the symptoms of survivor's guilt? It is a, a normal feeling uh, to have when someone passes away, you know, a certain amount of guilt. You know, when someone passes away, there are a whole range of difficult emotions that one experiences, as well as living through any um, trauma or a pandemic. But particularly with survivor's guilt, there are some things that we obviously need to closely look out for. Obviously, at the core is this profound and excessive sense of guilt that goes beyond what is kind of a normal experience after a loss or traumatic experience. So this profound sense of guilt, as I said, it can be around that you survived and others did not, that others got sick and suffered when you didn't, that others are still suffering from long-term complications when you're well, that you may have exposed others or feel responsible for others illness or suffering, that you remain fit and healthy and privileged and maybe have the vaccine and advantages when others do not, you know, all of those things that I, that I previously mentioned. Yeah. But along with that profound sense of guilt, people might also experience um, obsessive thoughts related to the course of their illness and recovery, obsessive thoughts related to someone else's inability to recover, sometimes anger and irritability, feelings of hopelessness, intense grief and sadness, difficulty sleeping, decreased motivation, total withdrawal, keeping yourself isolated. In some cases, we've even seen this like the impulse for, for people to try and overcompensate in an effort to prove that, you know, one's deserving of survival. And even in extreme cases, you know, things can spiral to this huge sense of shame and worthlessness and suicidal thoughts even. Mm. You mentioned uh, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder earlier. Uh, would you like to say more about the relation of survivor's guilt to PTSD? Certainly. So uh, survivor's guilt uh, can be seen almost in the context of PTSD. So PTSD involves numerous symptoms that occur in response to a significant trauma, or it can also be, um, you know, witnessing an, an extensive trauma or, you know, being related to someone close to you who, who has experienced this trauma. But there are a whole range of experiences that occur in PTSD. So they can be hyperarousal symptoms, symptoms that you get, um, you know, extremely scared whenever there are, you know, reminders of the traumatic events. One can get flashbacks, intrusive thoughts, distressing nightmares. Uh, one also often has uh, avoidance symptoms, so, you know, wanting to try and avoid any kind of exposure that reminds one of the stressor. So you have these hyperarousal avoidance symptoms, they can be physical symptoms. And then you also get cognitive and mood-related symptoms of PTSD. And one of those um, symptoms can very well also include a sense of guilt around the traumatic experience. So that's where survivor's guilt can come into the realm of PTSD, as it can form part of that cluster 
of the mood or cognitive symptoms related to PTSD. That makes a lot of sense. I was wondering if the time frame between a traumatic event and then the onset, let's say specifically, of survivor's guilt may differ from person to person. Certainly. So, I mean, everybody goes through, you know, really unique experiences when going through a trauma or, you know, a pandemic, these kind of experiences. And certainly, you know, there's no fixed time that one looks at when looking at survivor's guilt and when considering it. So some people develop profound symptoms a while after the exposure. Sometimes, you know, it can be a, a prolonged time that the person has been living through the situation before they start to experience these intense feelings of guilt. So it isn't a strictly linear situation. And often there can be those um, other factors that start to play a role. You know, when a person becomes isolated or additional stresses occur that, that you know, can trigger these profound feelings. Um, so certainly there isn't any set or strict uh, linear association to the traumatic event itself. But yeah, generally the symptoms need to occur for at least about a month of time. Mm. So it's not a acute stress reaction, which would just be a temporary um, response of, you know, within a month of the, the stress and then kind of resolve. Those would be in the more normal realm of, you know, just normal feelings of guilt and grief and sadness. You know, these feelings tend to be more protracted and more pronounced. Yeah. And then apart from that, how is survivor's guilt diagnosed? So, as I said, survivor's guilt isn't really a formal diagnosable condition. So it's not a psychiatric condition as one would see, for example, in the DSM-5, which is our kind of psychiatric manual. Yeah. So PTSD is one of those more diagnosable conditions. Um, so we see, as I said, survivor's guilt as a frequently one of the PTSD symptoms. But it isn't really a diagnosis that, you know, is made formally within, within itself. As I said, more just a term used to describe this experience that a lot of people suffering through traumas may have. And I think that in order to you know look for it and assess people for it we just need to be aware of the possibility that survivors of trauma and within covid and the pandemic you know may suffer from this huge and profound sense of guilt which we term survivors guilt and then i think it's around you know asking people about their experiences and their emotional struggles particularly people who you know might be at risk so one needs to be aware uh, of, well, let's say it's not a specific condition, but that this may arise. And then how do you know if you recognize some of these symptoms or, or it's these signs in yourself? How do you know when to seek help? So I always would have a very low threshold to seeking help. I mean, mental health has to be seen as a priority. You know, it's not just luxury. Mental health is something that is essential to life. We can't function in our daily routines and, 
you know, just our well-being is so intricately linked to our mental health that it really always needs to be a priority. So if one is struggling, you know, at any point, there is always help available. As I said, I mean, I would always seek help sooner rather than later. You know, there's there's no reason to delay if one is struggling emotionally. But when one definitely knows that it's time to, to seek help is when, as I said, you know, one has gone through this, you know, a traumatic experience or a COVID experience and is experiencing these profound feelings which seem to be in excess of what would be an understandable response to loss. Um, and when the symptoms continue, you know, for a protracted time, you know, longer than a month and one is still really, really struggling. And also when your symptoms and your struggles start to impact on your quality of life and your general life function and if you start to feel that you're isolating yourself and don't have energy to do the normal things that you want to and are having physical symptoms, you know, any sign that the symptoms are starting to really have a deep impact and affect your function, I think those are, are definitely warning signs that make it, you know, even more important to seek help. Yeah, if you find yourself in this position, uh, who could one go to? I think certainly, as I said, it's so important to seek help if you're experiencing these symptoms. And also, you know, that there are there's so many different mental health care providers that would be able to help. It depends, obviously, on um, availability and accessibility in your in your region. Um, I think always just speaking to friends and family is very beneficial, but certainly consulting with a psychologist is you know, very, very important at this time. Um, seeing a psychiatrist is also highly, highly recommended, especially if the symptoms are quite extreme and are having a, a severe impact. But if access to these mental health care providers is limited, you know, even seeing your GP or speaking to a nurse at a clinic is also a good option. And, you know, they could then be able to Kind of assess your needs and try and refer to um, other places. There are also a lot of support networks, um, SADAG, different organizations that one can reach out to. So there certainly are lots of avenues, but ideally seeing a, a specialist mental health care practitioner, so a psychologist or a psychiatrist, is kind of the ideal. Thank you. Now, Karen, if you have someone coming to you and you notice that there may be a lot of guilt involved in the sense of the guilt we've been talking about, uh, what treatment is available? And then how would you yourself treat this condition in your practice? So certainly, I think, you know, and in my practice as well, I certainly advocate for a more holistic and balanced approach. You know, a lot of psychiatrists um, focus mainly on just the medication aspect, but there's so much more to mental health and the psychological aspects, you know, can't be undermined. And particularly in these kind of situations, the mainstay of therapy um, it can really be looked at as psychotherapy. So, 
there are different psychotherapeutic techniques that can be incredibly effective in trauma-related disorders and also in these kind of experiences of survivor's guilt. One of the most effective psychotherapy techniques is cognitive behavioral therapy. And that is an approach that I adopt quite frequently in, in my practice. So in CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, it is a process where the client works with the therapist or doctor to explore these negative automatic thoughts that they've developed that can contribute to the feelings of guilt they experience. And examining these unrealistic thoughts and replacing them with more realistic, rational ones can then help alleviate those feelings of guilt and self-blame. So I would certainly, you know, tend to adopt this approach quite frequently with people in my practice. Then there are other forms of psychotherapy, including more trauma-focused approaches that include techniques such as brain work recursive therapy. So BWRT, Brain Work Recursive Therapy, is another technique that I'm seeing more and more value out of in my practice. It's a more recent thing that I've been involved in. And that kind of looks at a reprogramming response um, that goes into looking at the different traumas that the individual has experienced and kind of changing the picture and the negative associations that have been developed with that situation in order to move forward in a more positive way so that those memories and those events no longer hold that huge negative emotional power over the individual. So I would certainly look at incorporating, you know, different therapy techniques based on the individual's needs and exactly what they're experiencing, what they're struggling with. Obviously, I would closely also consider medication. You know, one would use medication judiciously and especially in these kind of conditions, you know, one would obviously ask in more detail around other symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and obviously tailor one's treatment uh, accordingly. It's very good to hear that there are uh, effective measures that one can take if one suffers in this way. Certainly. I think, you know, we need to get that across, that there is help available and that if one is suffering, you know, it's just so, so crucial to get the help that one needs. Now we come to the role of loved ones. And I heard someone say that that they know someone who they think has survivor's guilt, but the person feels that he doesn't deserve treatment and won't go for help. I don't know if you've ever come across this situation. Certainly. I think, you know, it's something that, that one commonly sees with all different mental illnesses. There can be a huge reluctance to seeking help. And I think often there is a lot of uh, stigma around mental health, you know, and even these kind of things like survivor's guilt. You know, there can be a lot of shame associated with it and, you know, all of these negative emotions that often do lead to people being quite resistant to seeking help. And certainly, I think for loved ones, it can be a huge challenge for sure. Yeah, I'm thinking that perhaps one way to address that, if you're the loved one, might be to say that you've heard a podcast or read an article on this matter 
and see if if you can bring the person to seek help but i'm sure it's not always easy yes certainly so i think you know if one has a loved one that's suffering the important thing is really to just to try and be there for that person at this time mm. and i think really trying to encourage them to share their experiences and emotions with you being a supportive space and a safe space for them to express themselves and you know i think chatting with them about what they're experiencing even speaking to them about this concept of survivor's guilt that you know you've heard about and telling them a bit more about it that it's something that other people can also experience you know speaking to them about you know what you know about the condition and um what you've heard and that it's something that a lot of people experience and something that is can be quite serious and that one needs to get helpful so you know i think with loved ones experiencing traumas one needs to normalize that difficult emotions can occur and you know we need to allow them time to heal but at the same time if their symptoms are really you know profound and affecting their function as i said encouraging them to seek help i think is really important you know other things that we can do is encouraging some of the self-help strategies that can be really helpful for people to adopt if they're struggling with survivor's guilt so you know accepting allowing the emotions the grief the sadness things knowing those are normal experiences so you know in a way so taking time to allow them to be there and process them is important and you know that it's also okay to feel a sense of relief and to be happy if you've survived the same time as feeling that you sad about the fate of others so you know that isn't anything to feel guilty for so kind of normalizing the feelings and you know encouraging your loved ones to give yourself them time is important but then also encouraging them to you know see things more rationally so that can be really helpful is helping them to focus on the outside factors that led to the event so shifting their focus you know taking it from away from their internal blame and you know helping them to see the external variables that created the situation you know that can be helpful helping them to rationalize it because often that can be beneficial in helping let go of that irrational self blame that contributes to the feelings of guilt you know encouraging self forgiveness i think is always something crucial um you know helping people you know learn that forgiveness is just crucial and in order to move forward one has to allow for certain things to happen and know that it's often no one's fault but also things like encouraging your loved one to connect with others so sharing feelings with other family and friends um but also maybe encouraging them to share their experiences with others who've had similar struggles so nowadays there are lots of online forums for covid sufferers and you know a lot of people may speak of their survivors guilt on that forum as well so you know encouraging your loved one to connect with those people might also help them to feel they're not alone and be beneficial in helping them recognize that they do need to seek help now other practicing self care sleeping well you know getting enough to balance diet to eat exercising regularly all of those things can also be beneficial ways to support people who we concerned about encouraging those them in all of those different ways 
yeah, those are really practical ways to go about it, and I think it will give one hope if one can do those things. For sure, yes, certainly. And then the last question I wanted to ask you is, if you've had a traumatic experience and you have developed survivor's guilt, and I suppose also more generally related to PTSD, then you may have lost trust in your own judgment and you may have lost trust in the world around you. How could one regain this trust? So I think it is important to know that it does take time to heal from these experiences. And I think the important thing is certainly giving yourself time but also not allowing yourself to become kind of shut off to your emotional lives or to others or to the world around you. So I think, you know, working within oneself, practicing self-forgiveness is incredibly important. Learning to trust yourself also takes a lot of starting to see things more rationally, you know, seeing yourself as a whole, not just focusing on the negatives, which one can often do in these circumstances, you know, especially with guilt. One starts to see a very skewed picture of yourself. And one has to start to look at the whole picture, regain the perspective, you know, starting to recognize the positive aspects about yourself, affirming your abilities and your positive attributes, you know, those kind of things help us to regain that perspective. So it's about shifting your focus to recognizing and appreciating yourself as a whole, you know, not just focusing on the negatives. And that in doing so, that helps to instill a greater sense of confidence, you know, if we can recognize our positives and reinforce those towards ourselves. So that is the one aspect about, you know, trusting starting to trust ourselves more, you know, it takes time and, you know, starting to see ourselves more fairly, focusing on our positives more, seeing things as a whole. And then, you know, the same applies to then learning to kind of trust the world again and others. You know, it takes time getting oneself out there, reconnecting with people, reconnecting with the world, continuing to get out there, and also actively turning one's attention to the positives in others, you know, the positives in the world out there, seeing the beauty that is out there. And often the more that we turn our attention actively to looking for those things in others and in our environment and within ourselves, you know, the more that we see that they are there. And that helps to then strengthen ourselves and, you know, our belief in ourselves and our belief in you know, the world and humanity in general, more and more again. I think if one does this, if you take it day by day and you practice what you've just said, I think one really has a stand a very good chance of feeling better. Certainly. You know, I think those kind of things, it's difficult. And like you said, it's a day by day process. But it's something that one actively needs to say, you know, I need to keep on living. I need to do this. And I'm actively every day going to, you know, look for the positives, look for, for the good, get myself out there, know that I can be living again. Thank you, Karen. Uh, where can people get more information on the work you do? 
So there is more information available. I've got a website. Yeah, it's www.drkarenarmstrong.co.za. So there's a whole lot of information there and also um, resources and information on various conditions that can be quite helpful. So yeah, that's definitely a, a good link to follow. And now we've come to your three best tips. Super Sarah, so this is quite a fun thing that you do. I enjoy thinking about this, but, um, and always difficult to choose three, but I think if I were to choose three, um, certainly I'm a, a great uh, runner, quite a long distance runner, so that's one of my passions. Mm. So one of my tips would definitely be about getting out and exercising daily, no, I think that's amazing for body, mind, and one's soul. The other tip that I think is particularly important is about, you know, again, as I was saying, actively turning one's attention to and noticing the beauty in all of the things around us, even the small things. And then yeah, the third top tip, which I thought I just have to put in here because this is the way I'm getting through winter, uh, is that it's all about bean bags. So to survive winter, one needs at least two bean bags for your feet. So one that goes below and then one above on the top of your feet and one on your lap. <laughs> and that needs to be, you know, a staple, especially in the evenings when one's trying to relax and keep warm. Excellent. I'm going to try that and uh, I must let you know if it works. <laughs> for sure. I look forward to hearing Karen, your fun question actually relates to what you've just said, to taking notice of the small things that we can enjoy. Because I wanted to ask you, which smell or scent never fails to raise your spirits? Oh, wonderful. For sure. I think scents are so important. And mine certainly is vanilla. I think, yeah, there's nothing that can raise my spirits like vanilla. And one of my best things to do is actually to put some vanilla essence in in one's oven. Really? And then kind of just, yeah, and then you just turn on the oven um, slightly or, you know, maybe after you've been cooking or something and open the oven door slightly. And then this amazing aroma of vanilla kind of just goes through your house. It smells like baking and it's absolutely wonderful for one's soul. Do you put it on, onto something before you put it in the oven or do you just apply it to the grid? Oh, no, yes, yes. So you just put it in a little dish. Oh. So just like put a little dish of, of that vanilla essence in. Just pour some vanilla into a into mm. tiny. It's just a small kind of dish or something. Mm. Thank you, Karen, and thank you for your time. Not at all. Thank you so much, Mariette. Yeah, again, thank you so much for all of the work that you do and... I certainly feel that you are, you know, helping and touching so many people through these podcasts and through your work. So thank you and keep up all of the, you know, this great initiative. I'm learning so much. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, 
or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, mariettesneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneyman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.